Hi there, church family. Good to be with you today through the video. I'm glad you're joining us. We have finished Jonah, the book of Jonah. We had four weeks in it. And so this past Sunday, we did Jonah chapter 4, and we saw Jonah's response to God's mercy being poured out on the whole city of Nineveh. And so let's talk about chapter 4, but also maybe somehow try to some, you know talk about Jonah altogether. Because it is a it's a small enough book that you, it's, I would say it's easier to kind of step back from and understand it all maybe together uh, than some other ones that are hard when you're really diving into them. So anyways, but in Jonah, in Jonah chapter 4, like I said, we see Jonah's response. And it is sad, isn't it? I mean, chapter 3, verse 10, we have like an awesome, an awesome verse that shows the character of God. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Like you just see this mercy of God on Gentile, heathen people. He pours his mercy out on the most undeserving, really is what's being characterized here. The most undeserving people just got God's grace and mercy poured out in their life. And so you would hope that it would be like good news for Jonah. You know, that maybe maybe chapter 4 is Jonah meets the king talks to the king, shares with the king that God is going to relent and you know what you are doing and repenting is good. Like There's going to be something good happening here. And in, and in chapter 4, verse 1, but it, dis- it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. Hmm. And it's kind of a heartbreaker in the, in the story because you had hoped Jonah had turned a new leaf from chapter 1 of where he was running from God. But then in chapter 2, we see this prayer that seems like uh, confession. It seems like true repentance. It it seems like all of that. But now it seems that maybe I don't know. I think a big question. Maybe we can talk about this. This is I don't know if we have an answer to this really. But I've seen some people say Jonah obviously wasn't really like a child of God. Wasn't really repentant. Never really um, was giving his life fully to God. And I I see others who disagree with that. Um, how do we take Jonah after after that in chapter 4 and just seeing what he did and we don't get a response to God's last question? It just kind of ends with this. Jonah angry, sitting on a hill, hot, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So what do we do with Jonah? I mean, is he is he a good guy in the end? Is he? Do, will, will we see Jonah again in heaven, you think? What do you guys I have my thoughts. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think that we can really answer that question <clears throat> fully. Yeah, obviously, sure. we. <laughs> I don't know if Jonah is in heaven or not. Um, but I think that maybe that question is coming from, like, if we're surprised by this, by the way Jonah is acting as a prophet of God, then maybe we were coming to the Bible with a preconceived notion of the people who are mm-hmm. in the Bible, that they're always the good guys that they're always good and right sure, and they're mm-hmm. the examples for us to follow when in reality pretty much every character except for Jesus <clears throat> that you see in Scripture is going to have some flaws. They're going to be people that have their good days and their bad days. They're going to make, uh, like Peter, you know, you think of him, make the good confession but also deny Christ three times. Um, and so... If you think about it, it might seem surprising at first, but as you think about it a little bit more, it's actually not that surprising that even somebody who was a prophet of God made really bad decisions mm-hmm. and had, a, at the end of the day, a sinful heart. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, it's it's not that surprising, I think, when you think mm-hmm. about it like that. You got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm confident that he was a believer. I mean, he shows believing uh, characteristics all throughout the book. He's found outside of this. I think also, um, like what Scott was saying there is, are we, are we surprised that Jonah fails? I mean, um, you know, you think about Lot. The last time we see Lot in the Bible, he is um, been committing incest mm-hmm. in a drunken stupor with his daughters. And yet we read righteous Lot in the New Testament. That's the last scene we have of Lot. Mm-hmm. And this is the last scene we have of Jonah. Um, it's not a flattering picture. But that's the. I think that's the point. The, the point of the book all throughout is to show um, the, the Ninevites don't deserve God's grace. Jonah does not deserve God's grace. Jonah kind of representing all of Israel as that's well. Right. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't represent. Doesn't deserve God's grace. He doesn't even preach for the right motives. The pagans on the ship, they don't really understand God, but they kind of they come. They're kind of righteous pagans in a sense. <laughs> The only person who's actually gracious and good and just here is God, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the point of the story, right? <clears throat> is that God, God's the God is the the one who shows mercy and justice and who is forgi- full of forgiveness, um, and can bring about repentance, even whenever His messengers um, don't really want that to happen. In a sense, it, it don't matter. Yeah. It don't matter. It's his word and it's God who does right. the word. He's the saving one. And that's where Jonah, Jonah forgot already in verse four what he had said at the very end of verse chapter two, that salvation right. <laughs> is of the Lord. This mm-hmm. is this is God's prerogative. Right. This is God's God's the, can, yeah. yeah. This is in in the realm and the business of salvation, God's the only one. Mm-hmm who mm-hmm. has the prerogative and the power to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And Jonah kind of forgot that and was getting reminded of that. Which is hard and, because, I mean, was this three days later? Was this mm-hmm. four days later? Was this a year later? Yeah. I don't really know. Right. But yeah, it's like, what the heck? I mean, just a few words before yeah. you were saying this. Right, and now all of a sudden right, this, yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody really put me to it to answer that question about Jonah, we had to get this book from somewhere. Right. And most, most people say it was Jonah who right. wrote this book. And so really Jonah is doing a humble act by writing this book for us and really mm-hmm. painting himself as a as a bad guy. Like mm-hmm. we said, he, you would want, you know, when you read a story, most of the time you want the main character to come out good in the end. Mm-hmm. You're wanting something good. And he didn't do that. And instead he, he shows a story. And like I said, at the end, we're left with a question. And most most commentators agree that the question really is left for Israel. You know, saying, because Jonah is representative of Israel here. And, and looking at the Gentiles, because they were such enemies and hated them so bad, and obviously what was happening in Israel is they didn't want to be a light to the nations. They wanted to see the nations destroyed. They wanted to rule over them. And, uh, and so this question comes up, you know, who are you to tell me who I put my mercy on? Mm-hmm. Do you have the right to pity the plant? You know? Like, just some obvious questions that are easy to answer, rhetorical questions, like, okay, we know what the answer is. But the writer here, and again, assuming that is Jonah, because that's what most people say, probably was Jonah himself. Mm -hmm. Jonah is writing this in a way where the Israelites are having to answer this question, and he doesn't give his answer, which if he went back and wrote this book, I'm I'm assuming he had the right answer. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, and God put him in his place, and he he learned his lesson and, and went on. 
uh, with his life. And, and so there's a hope that Israel would do the same thing uh, and, and then the same for us as well because we're kind of left with that, that same question. Mm-hmm. One of the things uh, I brought up in the message quite a bit there at the beginning had to do with anger. Um, Jonah shows great anger, so much so that he wants to die, it says. Uh, anger is one of the characteristics that uh, I think sometimes Christians fight for. <laughs> we, we like anger, and at the same time we know anger can be wrong, but you hear terms like uh, righteous anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes that is used to make us feel better about being angry and like the joy of being angry and we take it too far but when I think of anger in my life it seems to make things miserable for me but yet I do still sometimes have this battle within where I want to be angry for some reason I've been thinking about that for a while now and studying this like why why do I want to be angry you know I don't feel good I'm frustrated then all the time People around me then are miserable because I'm a miserable person to be around when I'm angry. And so, <clears throat> what do you guys think? I mean, what is, maybe I'm alone. Maybe you're just like, well, Tim, you're awful. But I'm assuming other people have the same thing. What is it? Why? Why? Why do we see this in Jonah? Why here? Why us, though, as well? Why does anger seem to be such a, a strong thing for, for us to be able to, to handle and deal with? What do you think? I mean, I think if, if thinking of Jonah, the anger that he has itself is is really just a, an outward working of the inward problem that was going on and the inward sin. It was just a manifestation of what was wrong inside of him, whether that was wrong assumptions about who he was, about who God is. I mean, like you said, Spencer, you know, he had forgotten the truth that he had just said in chapter 2, mm-hmm. um, that salvation belongs to the Lord. And so he had forgotten that. And, and so our anger, whether it's the anger that we ex, you know, experience in our own lives, is really just the manifestation of some, something else that's going on in our heart. Whether it's a desire that is not being met or an expectation that's not being met or something that we want. We want other people to act in a certain way. It can be an outworking of our pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's... I think that's really what's going on when we're angry, mm-hmm. um, or we're hungry, <laughs> or you Sometimes. could be really hungry. It could be a, and yeah, that's that. when you just need to keep yeah. a little bag of Snickers on hand yeah. in your car. Yeah, or something. that could be. <clears throat> but, you say that a lot. Hmm. I had you on my mind when I was talking about hangry. I say I'm hangry. <laughs> no, a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All the time. I don't think your I ever wife say that. <laughs> your wife accused you of that though later in the day. Every, I think every wife. I think she, your wife would accuse you of that too. I'm no. pretty sure Scott's wife would accuse him of that too. I think every one of our wives here. I think Matt's you're, wife I think you're lumping us into an unfair thing to, okay, you to know justify what? your... <laughs> Spencer, you're getting a little angry. It yeah. is lunchtime. You know what? Gonna, and you have some gonna, ramen over I'm there. I'm going to blow a gasket. <laughs> um, no, I think Scott's right. I think um, this <clears throat> anger is a symptom. It's not itself right, yeah. the first thing that anger is a reaction right. to something, yeah. and so that's why it's so important to recognize it as a uh, as a fruit or a symptom. Because then you have to go back because there are things to get angry about, um, injustice uh, or um, whatever. What there there are appropriate reactions that that 
anger is a manifestation of there are also a lot of reasons that we do it like Scott mentioned because of pride or um, in Jonah's case I think a lot of it was self-righteousness mm -hmm. um, I deserved <laughs> to be saved by the fish these people don't deserve that and because don't you know all the bad things they have done and are going to do and are still doing um, and so they don't deserve it but I do mm -hmm. And under, I think for Jonah, a lot of that was self-righteousness underneath. Um, I deserve the plant, but mm -hmm. other people don't. And so that's what, his <laughs> anger was a manifestation of that. Um, and not just self-righteousness, I would say also, he was a Jew. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm yours, right? right and so right. you should treat me this way. Right. They are not yours. Right. I'm yours. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So one of the things, though, is... I don't. I hate saying like, well, in our culture today, anger is so much worse than it's ever been. I I would find that maybe hard to believe. I don't. I didn't sure. live in all cultures, um, but it does seem to be a, a thing where people seem today to be searching out reasons to be angry, you know. And it's almost like, well, why do you keep visiting that website? If it makes you so angry, <laughs> it's like, I just gotta. I want to see what they gotta say, and you know how dumb it is, and all, and it's. How about you? How about you avoid that <clears throat> for for a while? And it really shows, I think, the sanctification process in the life of a believer where when God saves us by his grace, he doesn't, you know, snap his fingers and we're perfect. And we all know that and we understand that. But there's this working in our life that the Holy Spirit continues to do. And I think we need to be able to recognize that. And so I know for me, as I'm looking at Jonah, it seems like one of the way that God works in my life through Jonah is showing me. Look at how you can be like Jonah here. You see this? Where maybe maybe when I read Jonah chapter 1, I didn't see myself in Jonah like, I'm going to flee from this. Because I would, you know, maybe as Pat, I answered the call. I went and right. did that. Okay, oh, I'm, I'm good to go. But man, get to Jonah 4, and it's like, man, I can see where I can get angry. And so how then God will use that to say, see, Tim, you still have work to do. You know, you're not finished. I'm still working on you. I'm still revealing myself to you, the fact that you even see this. And so then, you know, things come up in my mind about how in the New Testament as Christians, we are called to be slow to anger, right? It doesn't necessarily even say you're never going to be angry mm -hmm. as a Christian, but it says slow to anger. And so the way I kind of take that is <clears throat> I need to be careful probably to be, give people the benefit of the doubt most of the time. Um, and be very slow to get to the point to where I'm beginning to get angry mm -hmm. at what they are doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means I allow myself to be hurt maybe more than the average person would because they're quick to write people off. Mm -hmm. Like, nope, you're done, you're out. Where I need to be a little more loving and kind and compassionate to be more like God is here in this, in this scenario. Um, but I, I just, I really I'm thankful that God still will use his word to show me that stuff that as I'm reading it, to it's like a mirror, you know, reflecting back. And it, it's like, this is me. And I feel like in the book of Jonah, it's really easy because the main character isn't the hero. Where a lot of times, like we've talked about before with King David and stuff, we want to say, look, I'm like David, I'm, a, I'm the warrior. <clears throat> but in Jonah, it's so easy to say, oh, I can see myself in Jonah, where God did say, Tim, I, I need you to do this. And I was like, eh, I don't like that. Those people mm -hmm. are too messy. I'm not going to go talk to them, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and so I'm just thankful that God continues to mold us and make us 
through good examples and bad examples, kind of like we have with Jonah here. But like you guys were saying, to show us this is the Christian walk. This is the Christian life. And God didn't hide that from us in his word. It's open and, and mm-hmm. honest there. And so I'm, I'm thankful that God continues to do that. Mm. <clears throat> well, God asked three questions in chapter 4. Um, he, he starts with the question, uh, do you do well to be angry in verse 4? And then later we see the story of the shade. God provides shade, all this stuff. And then he asks again in verse 9, because Jonah doesn't answer the first time. God says again in verse 9, Do you do well to be angry? But this time he's very specific. For the plant. The plant specifically. And Jonah has the audacity to answer. And he says, yes, I'm very angry. Angry enough to die. And then the Lord kind of then, okay, here's been the point all along. The great teacher. God being the great teacher. Setting him up. And just kind of asking, do you really, I mean, you had, you had nothing to do with the plant. You did nothing to let it grow. You've done nothing to take care of it. <clears throat> and now look at all these people. You have not created these people. You, have, you don't know these people, whatever, all this stuff. Who are you to think that I should not show them any, any pity at all? And it's interesting because God teaches here by asking questions, kind of by leading leading Jonah to a point to where now he's going to have Jonah's attention. And I don't think this is the purpose of Jonah, but I think it helps as teachers to recognize what God is doing to get Jonah's attention here. There is a technique that we can learn of of asking good questions to get the people to start to to see to see the point, you know, because I think like I mentioned in the message <clears throat> Again, God can do what he wants and get people's attention. But Jonah seems to be at the very beginning in a position of such anger that no ma- no amount of common sense was going to seep through mm-hmm. to him in that moment. It was, no, I'm so angry. I don't care what anybody says. But he almost made Jonah prove himself wrong in answering these, in answering these questions. And I just think that's a helpful thing to <laughs> recognize too. What are you laughing? It just makes me think like what you said in your sermon yesterday was... <laughs> Like when somebody proves you wrong, yeah. it just makes you more angry. Yeah, you got to like double down. Like you see, like you finally, I'm a moron, but I'm not going to let them join. <laughs> I got to double down on this. I got to double down. And that might be the reason why we don't see Jonah answer the last question. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. that, you know, like you realize the answer that for you to answer this question honestly, as mm-hmm. you really feel like it, you you see mm-hmm. and you realize just yeah. how dumb you're being. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it takes a while to be able to admit that out <laughs> right. loud, you right. know. Yeah, I just made me think of that because yeah. I think that's true. When yeah. you when you do that, I mean, it takes oh for time, sure, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, I mean, seeing myself in in Jonah and just going, you know, even trying to be honest with everybody from the pulpit and try to share honest examples of like what goes on in our in our heads or in my head uh, in these types of situations where not necessarily God is the one proving me wrong, but it's my wife or my kids or a coworker or something like that. And, um, how do you respond? You know, what, what are you going to do in those situations? And again, I find myself like Jonah, like you asked me a question that uh, the obvious answer, do, do you do well to be angry for the plant? The obvious answer is no, because I didn't have anything to do with it, but it's affecting my comfortableness. It's affecting my situation. And so you get angry and you're like, yeah, 
I'm very upset about this. I'm, in fact, I'm ticked off. I'm so mad that I wish, I just wish that I could die. I just wish I would die here. Um, and so again, just, just seeing myself reflected in there. <laughs> Pretty Yeah, easy. we all saw you in there, Tim. I'm sure you did. <laughs> That's probably what you were thinking the whole time, weren't you? I, was like, I can't remember. This is Tim. So Tim glad, is preaching. Glad he's all here. admitting this. Glad he's, you know, <laughs> this is good for him. This is good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes the message is just for the preacher, really. I probably. Think. Um, yeah. No. Do I exhibit that in the office a lot? A lot of anger? <laughs> You guys sense that and feel that? You know, I, no. <laughs> no. No, I was going to try to come up with something smart, Alec, but I'm not going to do that right now. Um, yeah. All right, so when we step back from Jonah, let's yeah. talk about this one. We step back from Jonah. I kind of mentioned a few things that I think we could take from Jonah as a whole, and maybe, maybe you guys had something else, or maybe you just wanted to elaborate on the things that I had said. Um, but I said, number one, what we see in Jonah is we see God's mercy on full full mm-hmm. display, right? God just shows his mercy greatly. Uh, we also see God's absolute sovereignty. And it's funny because I think every Old Testament passage I've preached through, that is a, that is mm-hmm. a point at the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Esther, Ruth, all these. Mm-hmm. That's almost always one of the main points of a book of the Bible. Right. And too, too often that it seems to be missed, but... God's sovereignty, just and I said that in two ways: His plan, how He has a plan that is working out perfect. But his, we also see in Jonah His sovereignty over creation, mm-hmm. for sure, um, and making the plant come. I mean, all those different things. But then also in Him telling Jonah, "It's not up to you who I choose. This is my creation. So you need to kind of back off a little mm-hmm. bit." And then um, lastly, I, I said in Jonah, in the book of Jonah, we see a type of Christ. That causes us to see Jesus and his superiority. And so how Jesus talked about Matthew chapter 12, you know, the sign that you get, you're asking him for a sign, the sign that you get is Jonah, the sign of Jonah. Well, what is that? Well, it's his death and his burial and his resurrection is what he was talking about there. And the foolishness that death is going to produce life and bring life. And, And so when we read Jonah, we see Jonah fail, 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 quiet at the end. It points us, though, to the true prophet of God, the son of God who's going to come and not fail. Actually, succeed, succeed, succeed. Get killed. Everybody's like, he failed. Rise mm-hmm. again. No, actually, yeah. this was the plan mm-hmm. all along. Completely victorious. And so, those were kind of the three things that I said and pulled from Jonah. I don't know if you guys want to expand on any of those. Mercy, sovereignty, seeing Christ in Jonah. Or maybe there was something else that you, you guys think maybe should be pointed out uh, real quickly from the book of Jonah. I mean, just to expand on the idea of God's mercy, I think something that is specifically present in Jonah is that you is that it's very clear God does not just desire to show mercy to this chosen people of Israel, but He desires to show His mercy to the nations, mm-hmm. to all who would listen to this this message of <clears throat> of coming destruction. But if you repent, you, you know you'll be forgiven, and that will be God will relent of that, and that's. That's a message that is given here to the nations and to an Israelite context like Jonah is in. And I think even sometimes in the church today where I think there are sometimes pervasive thoughts of like the truly bad people in the world, like mm-hmm. n- like the people of Nineveh mm-hmm. would have been. The truly bad people, God wants to judge and destroy mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, he wants them to repent. Mm-hmm. Um 
And that's the message of the gospel that, that the church is sent with to the nations mm -hmm. so that that may happen. Um, in our context, I think about what's going on in Afghanistan right now. And I think of how many, like, because a lot of, at least the news that we, that Christians are hearing in Christian circles is how <clears throat> the Taliban and, and other groups are, this is leading to the persecution of Christians. It's leading to more human suffering beyond Christianity. And I think sometimes our initial reaction is to want justice for that. Um, I had recently seen somebody uh, say, though, or pray a prayer that that they would that we would see someone like the character of Saul come from the Taliban, like a person who is from that get converted and then spread the gospel through that community that they're part of, and that we would see instead of a nation be destroyed a nation that is against the God to repent and before God. And I, I just think that that's kind of, um, in terms of like you, we were joking beforehand of like, what's the nation that you want to see destroyed or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I honestly think a lot of Christians would say the Taliban right now. Mm -hmm. um, and the question that we are confronted with, I think just thinking about Jonah is, is that what God wants? You know, I don't think that that's actually what he wants. Yeah. I think he would want to see them <clears throat> repent. And as we as as we've prayed for Christians in Afghanistan on Sunday mornings, is that part of our prayer? You know, are we just praying for victory over these enemies or are we praying that that these lost sinners who are destined for God's judgment would repent and see his grace mm -hmm. instead? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, um, that's just that's something I was thinking about mm -hmm. yesterday as I yeah. was listening to your sermon. Yeah, there are some things that I didn't bring out too much on, but people use Jonah for um, one being missions. We definitely see a missional, a missions idea in Jonah of God sending Jonah out to a foreign country to share His word with them, and um, and we know that God still does that today, where He. I mean, it says it even in the in the Gospels about sharing the gospel with everybody, that it's not going to be specific just to one region, but that the word is going to spread. And we see that in Acts, that God did that, right? The word started to spread all over the world, and that continues today. And the way God does that is through people sharing the gospel with people, through churches being faithful and multiplying or doing whatever. God continues to do that. And so I, I, we do see that in Jonah, and that's how God shows his mercy to people. Uh, the other thing, and I had some people come up to me actually and say, I thought you were going to talk about this, but you know, a big thing in our country right now is race and race could have got brought up as well through mm -hmm. Jonah, the sin of racism. I mean, that's something that Jonah was dealing with in his heart right there is he, he hated those people. Um, and he struggled with that, even though he didn't know all 120,000, I would have to think that there had to be one out of the 120,000 that Jonah could have sat down with and talked to him and found out, I actually like this person. Like, they are a nice person. But no, he had judged them all because of their past and even their present of maybe what they were doing to Israel. He wanted all of them dead. And so that's another thing that I think you would see people maybe sometimes go to in the book of, of Jonah, which wouldn't be wrong necessarily, but I don't think it's the main point of the book of Jonah, which is what we were trying to, to bring out. But again, it just shows God's mercy, right? God's mercy wasn't just for one people, Israel. It was going to go to all people, just like he told Abraham, right? Your, your children are going to be as many as the sand of the sea mm -hmm. and the stars in the sky. And 
what's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about through Christ, right? All these will come to know. And so, yeah, that, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, just the phrase that we've gone back to over and over again <clears throat> at the end of chapter 2, that salvation belongs to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And just asking the question like, okay, well, what has God done with that salvation? He's made it available to all people. Mm -hmm. If they would hear the message of the gospel mm -hmm. and repent, mm -hmm. then the same thing that happened to the Ninevites will mm -hmm. happen to them. Mm -hmm. God will relent of the disaster. But we see it on a grander cosmic scale of not just the destruction of their city mm -hmm. and of their homes, but of their souls. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything? No. I think all three of those points, though, come, the, the three points you brought up really do come together in that end of chapter 2 salvation is of the Lord um, mercy sovereignty Christ um, <laughs> yeah. they yeah. all kind of come together there really well um, uh, yeah no I think that this is a helpful a helpful book because it shows us uh, God's compassion for sinners <clears throat> is uh, is I, I I had a phrase I, I whenever I was preaching through Genesis and one time I and I and I think this, again, applies here, is that God is more interested in our salvation than we are. And that shows here. Yeah, with Jonah, yeah. God is more interested in... And the Ninevites aren't crying out for God. Yeah, and neither was Jonah. Yeah, Jonah wasn't wanting <laughs> the Ninevites to be saved. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, I mean, um, Jonah wasn't crying out for God for himself. He was no, running, no. and it, we Jonah, see God pursuing. Yeah, no one, no, one, no one here comes out good <laughs> yeah. except for God. Yeah. And so yeah. that shows us the salvation <clears throat> is of the Lord, and that's why we need Jesus Christ. Um, mm hmm I think, uh, yeah, no, and again, like the sovereignty part is very is is helpful too to see in here because the word that I think in the ESV is appointed uh, for the plant. God it says mm -hmm. specifically appointed, appointed or prepared in the New King James Version. That's the same word I believe that was used for God appointed the whale, the the, yeah. the fish, mm -hmm. and so again showing God's. This is all i think calvin had the idea that this is the theater of god's grace this of glory of his glory god is putting on display in his sovereignty controlling the plant the whale jonah the nineveh he's at work all throughout this and um it just should call us to repentance to believe him to trust him and mm -hmm. to uh to do his his goodwill. I love it though as well. I love the phrase that Jonah says at the very beginning. He says, "This is why I fled because I knew that you're the kind of God, I'm, you're the kind of God who would send Jesus Christ." Yeah, and I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. But that's it's just so wonderful. It's kind of it's humorous. It's so funny because that's exactly we're like that though. Whenever we don't want, like you're right, Scott. Like we should desire for people. I think the Taliban are a good example today. Um, what if God was to send you to say, I want you to go preach to the Taliban, to go preach to them? Because Jonah knew if he's sending me to preach to them, it's probably because he's going to grant them repentance. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want them to have repentance. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so. crazy. To, I mean, the, just the, I wasn't sure how to articulate it, but like you, you said it well. I mean, it's, Jonah, even though he was being <clears throat> disobedient to the Lord, yeah. he had great confidence yeah. in God's word and right. its ability to change right. people. Right. That's why he didn't want to go, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's it's almost like as as bad of an example as Jonah is, he had the right sense of confidence oh, in yeah. what God was capable of doing yeah. in people's hearts. He just didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> like and it. that's the really confrontational yeah. thing. Like yeah. I think that actually a lot of people when they read Jonah, they don't want to see themselves mm -hmm. in Jonah because our thought is 
there's no way I could be that bad. Right. <laughs> like, right. I can't be as bad as that. Well, right. I mean, just take a good, hard look at yourself. Yeah. Right. right. Honest look at yourself. Sure, <laughs> sure. And uh, you'll see that you, you can be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that kid that I was talking to about that I was going to preach Jonah, you know, I remember I said that at the in my first sermon. I said there was a kid in our church, and I was like, I'm going to preach Jonah. And they said... I'm too old for Jonah. I've grown out of Jonah. <laughs> I hope that maybe that child sees. Right. No, we haven't. You know, we right. haven't. But I know for us too, because we can look at these characters and these old mm-hmm. stories that we've known for a long time, and we can kind of water them down ourselves and think that oh, it's cutesy. But we got to remember, um, God has given us that book for a reason, mm-hmm. and I think the reason is to see how good God is and mm-hmm. His compassion, His sovereignty, and then what He does. What he does in Christ. And it's so, a whale of a tale. There it is. <laughs> He's been waiting the whole time. Yes, he has. He has. Yeah. I'm good. not fishing for anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. We got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, <laughs> it's back into Ephesians. Back into Ephesians next week, and we will finish Ephesians before Christmas. That's the goal. Let's finish okay. before Christmas, uh, Ephesians, and then we'll be in Christmas season. So not too long. We'll be there. So looking forward to it. Uh, Glad you watched the video today. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. God bless.